Hi, this is the Mentoring Lab Podcast, where we create a work BFF mentoring movement, one episode at a time. Here are your hosts, Sarah and Kelly. Hello, and welcome to the Mentoring Lab Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelly. And today we have a very special guest, my friend and neighbor, Maya. And we're going to be talking about the truth from working at home. So Maya, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Hi, my name is Maya. I work for Department of Defense, one of the agencies, and I'm a um, director. Uh, I won't say which agency, but um, so yep, I have known Kelly since 2012 now, so a long, long time. So thank you for having me. Oh, we're glad to have you here. It's going to be a great talk. So as we jump in, as most of us have been in this alternate working remote environment for the past year. It has required some adapting on so many levels and working at home, parenting from home, um, just taking on different roles. And I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, some of the truths, you know, from working from home. And for me, there have been days where um, I hoped and prayed my colleagues didn't see the veins popping out of my neck. (laughs) Because my remote learner in the next room was getting too loud or um, decided in the middle of the class that he was just going to take a break or get a snack. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're in class. Get back to class. Um, And then there's also been, you know, those embarrassing moments when I'm giving a presentation to my boss and my remote learner walks in and um, interrupts me. And I'm like, hey, I'm in the middle of something here. So a lot of different challenges that we've had to deal with and adaptions that we had to make. So um, I'm sure you can relate to them as well. Those are just a couple of the ones that come to mind that make me laugh when I look back over the past year. So what types of truths or um, adaptions did you have to make um, working in this remote environment? Well, I have two remote um, learners. I have one. God bless you. I have one that's in fifth grade and one that's in second grade. And my fifth grader is kind of, for the most part, you know, he can do everything on his own. Um, You know, he wants me to proofread things. But for my daughter, she's in second grade and, you know, she um, doesn't have the same, like, zest for school that he has. And she doesn't have, you know, she's still learning to read. So I constantly have to stop and read stuff or explain to her what a word means. Uh, along with having a very demanding job, right? So I'm talking to some of the highest leaders in my organization on calls, and she's coming to me with a whiteboard. What's this word? So <laughs> it's it's been very challenging t- trying to do my job as well as making sure that they are successful at school. Um, I'm fortunate that they, while she doesn't have the zest for school, she does want to succeed. So you know, her brother's a straight A student, so she wants to be just like him. So. Um, it's good, but it's also bad because they're they're all day long, you know, coming in and asking questions. Mommy, I need this. I mean, I even got a um, an intercom system because my son was yelling from downstairs, you know, <laughs> mommy, I need this. <laughs> so I'm like, press the button and say what you need to say. But it's it's been very challenging um, with two kids at home. And then also, you know, just trying to do your regular job, you know, um, not being able to see people but still having the same deadlines and still um, having the same expectations from your, your job. It's, it's been, it's been a hard year. Yeah, I can totally relate. Have you found, I'm just 
thinking about how my life has changed in the past year. And it's like, you know, now that we don't have a stop time because we have to leave the office to go pick up our kid or kids from school or aftercare, what have you, that, you know, does the day go on? Do you find that um, it goes on later for you or it starts earlier for you or um, any changes like that with the working from home? Or have you been better better than me at the, the balancing the two? Because I have not been good, that's for sure. I think I made that decision a couple of years ago before we even hit COVID to um, end my day at a certain time. Um, I will check my, my cell phone. I will check my emails occasionally, you know, throughout the, the day. But I made a decision a couple of years ago because my job was so demanding and, and I could be working all day long. So I made that decision that at 4.30, I'm shutting down. So some things can wait till tomorrow. If it's an emergency, then I will engage. But if it's not, then it can wait till tomorrow. So in COVID, I've made that decision as well because um, I do see some people working all day long. And I, you know, I want to spend time with my kids. I want to have my downtime because um, it's, it's already stressful enough, you know, just being at home because you almost have no break. There's sometimes that I do um, forget to eat lunch because I'm, you know, working so much and helping the children and things like that. So sometimes I have to remind myself, you need, you need to take care of yourself because if you don't, then you're not going to be good for anybody. You're not going to be good for your job. You're not going to be good for your family. Um, so I, I, I've tried to make that um, something that I do is I'm stopping at this time. That's really good. I am a year into this. I'm now realizing that I need to get better at that. I love my job, but what I have found is during the day, I'm just in meetings after meetings after meetings. So I don't end up getting to do my work until, you know, later in the evening time. It's, it's, it's just not good all the way around. Although, you know, I love being at home. I love being with my family. Um, just it's getting to be a little bit burned out. So um, I remember listening to a podcast. Was it a, a podcast with Matthew McConaughey? early into COVID. I'll never forget it because his words were embrace this as an opportunity. For many, including myself, there was a lot of uncertainty in the very beginning of this and it made me very unsettled. And, you know, how long are we going to be in this environment? What is it going to look like? How are things going to change? Much, much, much uncertainty that um, I don't like uncertainty. And I attribute part of that is how I've done better at my career because I don't like not knowing. I like to predict things. I like to be prepared for things. I like to think about all the things that could be, should be, would be. What have I not thought about? And in this environment, there were just no answers. So we just had no idea. It was just go home and keep watching the news. So in this environment, I was able to embrace what Matthew McConaughey said. And he says, don't look at it as a bad thing embrace it as an opportunity. Take this as an opportunity to learn and grow, bond with your family, do more things. So although for many months we couldn't leave the house, it was still an opportunity to just spend more quality time with my family. And um, I really appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to start new initiatives, new projects. I know that, you know, you have done amazing things over the last year. I'm pretty sure you, I watched you put a grill together. You put a, um, what's that, a trampoline together. You know, Maya is on fire over there um, putting things together. And I'm just so impressed. So it has been a very interesting journey the past year to learn and evolve and grow. So that would be my next question to you is, how have you learned um, or what have you learned over the past year and how has it benefited you? I'd say one of the things you said is 
in the beginning, you know, people were saying, use this opportunity to level up. Like if you want to do a business, do your business. If you want to do this, do that. You know, they, they were just like, you shouldn't, you should be growing at this time. And you know, I said, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to survive. Like right now I'm going to focus on my family. I'm going to focus on our mental health. I'm going to focus on just getting to the next day. I'm not starting a new business right now because that's going to drive me crazy. Like, you know, we still work full time and I still have kids at full time. I feel like that in itself is enough. And then there's, I'm the janitor, I'm the cook, I'm the, you know, the, the nurse, I'm the person who is, like you said, putting things together. I've kind of turned my backyard into our oasis so that we can't go anywhere. So let's have everything here. You know, we have the blow up pools and we have the trampoline and we have the soccer nets and the hula hoops and the everything you can imagine <laughs> we, we have in the backyard so that we don't have to go anywhere. But I kind of just learned to be still because and before COVID, we were running around like crazy, you know, running around to soccer practice and gymnastics practice or dance practice. And um, I've, I've learned that it's okay not to have to do a million things. There's some days where, you know, I will say, okay, I need to do laundry, but guess what? I'm not going anywhere. So I'll do it tomorrow. Or <laughs> I need to wash my hair, but I'm going to do it tomorrow because I've learned that it's okay to be still. It's okay to not feel like you aren't accomplishing something because you're you're not doing something today. You can do it tomorrow. Well, I totally admire you for that because um, I think I was on the contrary of that. I was thinking, wow, I, I have two extra hours to my day that I'm not commuting to work. What can I do to fill those hours? And I probably, no, I definitely, I overcommitted. I was in book club, multiple book clubs. I was in a Bible study. I was on the school advisory board. I was working full time all and all those roles that you just shared, trying to fill those too. And at one point I'm like, I just got to stop some of these things. It's just too much, too much going on. I can't keep up. And this was a time, like you said, of uncertainty and adjustment and adapting. And um, it was just too much. So I totally admire you for that. And that's um, something that I have started to do is decrease the number of commitments that I have. Although I think I have all this extra time. I really don't. It's it's really just two hours. And even though it's two hours a day, it accumulates and goes away. It dissipates so fast with the extra hours, you know, working. Yeah. And I, I, I will say I still have those, you know, things like I'm still active in the school. I'm on committee for the PTA. I'm on another committee for the boundary school thing. Um, I am on two committees for my sorority you know, I'm trying to keep in touch with my friends uh, and my family and my parents. So I still have a lot going on, but I've also just decided some of those things that, because I'm a type A personality, I'm a Virgo, we're like perfectionist trying to do everything. And I've just said, you know what, let's just kind of slow down just a little bit. So I still do a lot, but those are things that I will say to some stuff, I'm going to, I'm going to chill out today. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do everything that I, you know, is on my list. I'm just going to keep my list and check it off as it goes. Okay. So now, Maya, tell me some of the things that you do not miss from going into the office. I do not miss waking up at 530 in the morning and getting two children ready to go to school. I do not miss driving an hour to work. Uh, I do not miss putting on makeup or um, putting on a dress every day and stockings and heels. Those are things I don't miss. Well, 
I also don't miss those same things. I don't miss getting up. I don't miss the drive. I especially don't miss having to go in rain, cold, or snow. (laughs) Every one of those days, I have been um, so grateful. I'm like, I'm so glad I don't have to leave the house today. I'm so glad I don't have to put on a suit and heels and go to work and I can just be in my comfy clothes. Um, But I am an extrovert and I do like to interact with people. So um, I miss not being around people face to face, but Teams has helped because it allows us to interact with people that wasn't available in teleworking before. When you teleworked before, you kind of had your computer and you had a cell phone and that was it. I didn't have any um, video ways to communicate with people. So that has helped. But another thing that... um, Sarah had reminded me of that I thought was kind of funny um, that we don't miss about being in the office. You know, we don't miss um, the dirty refrigerators or the dirty microwaves. Oh, yeah. The stinky lunches in the break room. It's like people Um, hate drama. Reheating up fish. I was going to say people reheating fish for lunch. Why? Why, 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 why? First, I don't eat seafood, but I mean, even my partner, he absolutely loves seafood. He loves fish. And even him, he's like, that's a no-no. Don't bring that into the office. But yeah, just laughing with her. It was just like the break room, the gross break rooms, the gross bathrooms. Yeah, some of the drama coming in or the visitors that would come in to say something. And an hour later, they're still there talking to you. And you're just like, okay, you're trying to be nice and you're typing and you you know, trying to give them a cue, but um, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't that I don't miss about the office. But I'm a I'm a I'm actually an introvert, and at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is a dream come true for introverts. And several months ago, probably longer than that, because I have no concept of time most of the time. Um, one of my old supervisors, who is still a really good friend of mine and a mentor, she was just like, uh, I think this was last summer, actually. So yeah, there's no concept of time. She was like, well, I'm worried about you. She was like, if we continue like this, you're just going to become a complete hermit because I'm fine at home. We don't have, you know, we don't have children. We have cats and we, we've done the same thing, Maya, that you have. We've, we've made our house you know, we've brought stuff into our home to make it fun, to make it entertaining for us. But I am starting to miss that commodity that I do miss my team and Teams has helped us see face to face, but I do miss that. And I think when things do return to normal, I would like to probably return to the office at least once a week just to have that face to face interaction. I do kind of miss that. I'll be honest. My commute is short, but when I had to go down to the the office that Kelly uh, works at, that could be an hour and a half to over two hour commute. Sometimes I actually do miss that because I would listen to podcasts or I would listen to books. And it was kind of like me time. I know it sounds crazy. That does a lot. And we do training and development. And I do miss doing some classes on site. We've been doing everything 100% virtual since last April. And it's crazy to think. And I think it's going to continue doing virtual and using technology. But yeah, for me, so I'm single. Um, I have I recently got divorced and I share my children uh, 50% of the time. So all I have is um, my children, really, and, you know, my, and my parents. We've kind of made the bubble of just us. And in the beginning, um, my ex-husband wasn't working. Well, he was working, but, you know, they would make them come certain days. So the children were going back and forth. And then he had to go full time. And so, um, you know, I remember saying to God, I am so lonely. And so God, boom, 
You get the kids every day for school. (laughs) (laughs) Problem solved. So no no longer being uh, lonely. But again, there's still that, you know, adult interaction that I miss. So I do definitely miss that part of work is, you know, seeing my team. And I think I'm on the cusp of being, you know, somewhat of an introvert and somewhat of an extrovert. And so uh, I'm okay by myself, but I also, I definitely miss, you know, the, 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 um, my team, I miss people coming to my desk because I'm kind of, I get to the office, I sit down and I just work all day long. Um, and so that's why I don't feel guilty about when I'm stopping at 4.30 because I've been, I've literally been sitting there all day working. I miss them coming and just telling me stories or mm-hmm. I miss them, you know, coming and asking me for my opinion where when I was there, sometimes I'm like, ah, leave me alone for a little bit. But, but now I miss it. I miss it a little bit. So I, I do think when we are able to go back into the office, I probably would go um, here and there just depending, but my agency is actually making some of the jobs permanently telework. So my staff, I won't even get to see them. They'll be able to work anywhere. They'll be able to live in Florida if they want to. So I may be able to get to see another manager here or there. Um, So it's going to completely change our life. So I feel like um, when we can go out, I'm going to have to make myself go out into the world and to have opportunities Mm -hmm. to interact with adults. Oh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say with, um, you just made me think about, you know, I agree. I you miss those stories because when you're in meetings and teams all day long, it's all meeting topic. You know, you don't get the, how was your weekend? How are you feeling? How's your kids? How's your mom? You know, how's your yard or, you know, whatever. You don't get to ask about different people's hobbies and, and side interests. So with your agency, putting people or allowing people to work a hundred percent telework from anywhere that they want to. How, as a manager, are you thinking about keeping people engaged to have some type of connection and team camaraderie? So I have, for my current team, I have a weekly meeting so that we're able to, you know, always share what's going on because I like to do that so that they all know what we're working on and we can, it helps us kind of cross train. So if you hear a topic, you know about what's going on. But I also, we, we have a little banter where we're on that call um, so we, you know, how, how's everybody doing? What, you know, we're going to do this weekend or whatever. And then when I talk to the other folks individually, I ask them, you know, what's going on? How, you know, if I know somebody's mom would say, how is your mom or how's your kids? How are your grandkids? So I ask questions and then we share a little bit, you know, my boss even does that with me. So, you know, we, we spend maybe sometimes we spend 20 minutes just talking um, non-work topics just to kind of keep that connection. Um, because I think, not just doing business, you know, we're also human. So showing them that I'm interested in their lives, same with my boss, showing that he's interested in my life makes me feel like he cares about me. So I think um, it's important to do that, even though we're on teams or we're on the phone and we're not seeing each other anymore. It's important to do that. So I plan to continue to do that is to, you know, check in on them and see how's everything going. We share pictures, you know, um, one of my employees just had his 12th grandchild. So he sends us all pictures. So you said 12, 12th grandchild. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> yep. So we, we get to see his pictures. And um, so we, we're trying to do the same things that we used to with as much as we can. So what are your thoughts on virtual happy hours for team building? I think that could be fun. I haven't done that with my team. Okay. Um, I've done that with my friends in the beginning. We haven't done it in a while. I think we all kind of got, you know, zoomed out. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of tired of, of doing that, but. I think that would probably be fun with the, the team, you know. Um, I'm not a big 
drinker in front of my team. So <laughs> that could be a little scary. Um, but I do think some, you know, some type of things would be fun, mm-hmm. you know, you know. Yeah, we did them a lot. Um, well, we called them happy hours, but we weren't drinking because we did them like the last half hour of the work day of the week. So we we're still technically, well, we were, we were on the clock, but we did it at the beginning and we probably stopped about midwinter just because holidays and all sorts of things. And I, I kind of wanted to get back into it, but we did them like every other week for 30 minutes and we rotated team members where they had to pick a game and they led the game. They facilitated a game for the rest of us. And that was fun. I thought we liked that and it brought us together, but it's just when I read online, like there's mixed, there's mixed opinions on it. Some people love them, some people hate them, but I, I guess it depends on your team and your organization. And it seems like people were just like doing them constantly. So I could see where that got burned out. But yeah, I was just curious. I might steal that idea because I'm actually switching jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to have a new team. And so that might be something that I can do, you know, maybe once a month or something to get, get us closer since, you know, it'll be new to have a boss that some of them, well, I think I know most of them, but some of them may not know me. So I think that would be a good way for them to, you know, get more comfortable. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, it was fun, especially because the pressure wasn't put on me as like the supervisor to always come up with what we were going to do. So in it, like I said, rotate it. So then it would be up to that person. And we did all kinds of like everyone was so freaking creative in the games they came up with where earlier, you know, this one that stood out to me is they would give us a list of things to draw ahead of time, like on our phones and we had to send in. So then people had to guess like the drawing and it was like horrible, but we, we would laugh so freaking hard at it. And then um, the other one that really stood out to me is a colleague was like, Oh, we're going to do a scavenger hunt. And it's a race right around your house to get stuff. And we were like laughing and dying, like just running around, coming back and having to show the item like in our camera like that. I actually took that idea and used it for a mentoring group that I run at work. And people freaking love that because it was getting them out of their chairs and their and their heart was racing and trying to see you can make it back to the camera the fastest with the idea. I mean, with the item. But I, a couple of times I thought I was going to break my leg going down my steps. But <laughs> that was only <laughs> like you got to put a disclosure out there. Please be careful, people. Don't hurt yourselves doing this. But funny enough, like two weeks later, I ended up breaking my foot going down my steps. But it had not, it wasn't work. It was on a Sunday evening. And um, wine may or may have not been involved in it. I'll just throw that out there. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> So another fun one that I did was, um, you know, that that little bingo game that has the ball and the little and you wind it up and the little ball pops out. I mailed everyone on my team a bingo card and um, we did a little bingo game because I just called out the number and then whoever won, I sent them a little gift card. So that was that was something that we did early on as well. But I'm a little disappointed that over time, those types of activities have diminished because the workday has consumed so much. So myself going forward, knowing that this is going to be part of our new normal, I want to build that into my future of work environment that I'm going to be shaping is to have, you know, a dedicated um, community team building activity or something, Um, you know, maybe dancing through the decades and have something with music or name that tune or, or something trivia related or something like that. Cause I do think it's important. I think that's the one thing that we do miss out on from not being in the office and even going back to future work. If people only have to go in once a week, if that, 
not everyone's going to be there on the same day. It's not like that one day is going to be Wednesday for everyone. You know, some people could be Tuesday, so you still may not see them. So I think that it's important as leaders to think going forward about what we can do to plan to set up for those types of community team building activities to keep the camaraderie going. And then I know that we even launched a um, virtual 5K where anyone could just go out and do their 5K. So things like that are fun too when you post your pictures. But anyway, so talking about going forward, what advice or tips would you give to someone to help them to be more successful in remote working and wearing all the hats? I'd say be disciplined, you know, because it's easy to get sidetracked with so much that's going on in your household, especially if you have children or pets. Because pets can be demanding as well. You know, we've heard them, not um, cats necessarily, but we've heard, you know, we've heard dogs in the background. So I think you have to be intentional. You have to, you know, be disciplined, find a spot in your house that's going to be conductive or conducive to your work. And then set a schedule of, you know, this is the time that I'm going to work. This is the time that I'm going to be home and not focus on work. You know, continue to seek training because if you want to, you know, ex- if you want to continue to um, develop your career, you have to continue to do training. And then when you're training, focus on that training because it's easy to get distracted and, you know, start typing and doing something else while they're on mute or, you know, things like that. And um, I think you have to engage with your boss or your peers so that you can keep that connection and, you know, also continue to learn from them. So I think those are some of the tips that I would say. So I am curious, Maya, as a supervisor, and it sounds like you're you're, you're going to go into a new role, which is also you're going to be a, a supervisor for employees who are more on the on the quiet side or introvert side like me. What would you tell a woman who's maybe struggling with being seen or being heard from her supervisor? Because some supervisors are not very hands on. They're, they're not engaging us. They're, you know, leaving it up to us, which can be kind of scary. And then midpoint comes our end of year. And then they're like, yeah, you didn't hit, hit the mark on this, this and this. And then you're kind of like shocked, like, well, wait a minute, no one ever told me. So in, in terms of engaging, how would you recommend an employee could reach out to their supervisor to make sure that they're being seen and heard? I think at that point, you have to take your own career under your hands. Like you have to start reaching out. And it's scary for some of us, right? Because some of us are introverts. Some of us are shy. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us don't want to, you know, rock the boat. But I think we have to, if, if it's important to you, you have to take that initiative and you have to start reaching out to your supervisor and, hey, how are you? You know, um, this is what I'm working on. You know, early on in my career, I, when I was even just an intern, you know, they would give me things and I would be done, you know, and then I would say, you know, is there anything else that you can give me? Is there anything else that you need help with? And there were three of us at the time. Um, three interns. We all started within a couple of weeks of each other. And two of us were like that. And one of them wasn't. The other, the two of us, we are now, you know, high up in our career and we're managers. The other one, she's still just, you know, a worker bee. Not that that's bad because that's what some people want. But those of you who want to continue to expand, you have to take initiative regardless of how short, sh- um, shy you are. So if anything in, we want in life, we have to go after it. So it's important to just start reaching out to them and this is what I'm working on. Is there is there anything else that you need help with? Is there something that I can assist with? Is there something that you can share with me? Ask them to be your mentor. Ask if there's mentoring programs. How you know? Ask questions of um, what can I do better? Or you know, you have to ask those type of questions if you want to succeed. 
I like that. All good advice. Do you ask your direct reports, do you ever ask them what you can do better as a supervisor or leader? Have you ever asked them that? I have. I have asked them, how can I support them more Mm -hmm. in their roles? Because, you know, we, I expect at, at their, you know, level that they're able to do their job. But if they have questions, if they have, um, you know, what do I always ask them, what's your ambition? Where do you want to go in your career? Is this what you're comfortable with doing? Or is there something else that you want to do? And then let's talk about how we can get to that. Because I know you guys love mentoring. I actually do too. I love to see the people that work for me to expand. I like to see them grow. If they want to go to the next level, I want to talk to you how you can get to that next level. I've been fortunate in my current role to see several people, you know, come into different roles. And, um, and, and that just makes me so happy out of, out of everything that we do. It makes me see, because sometimes, you know, they're getting a raise and they're getting, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 raise. And mm-hmm. that's huge for some families, but it also, more money comes with more responsibility. So I want them to also understand that as well, that what do I do and how do I get to where I'm going? I always tell people that you need to know everything. You need to know how the money works. You need to know how the policy works. You need to know what what's going to happen if you implement that policy, because if you don't know the money and you, you create a policy that you need money for it and you didn't have the money, now you can't implement that policy. And then you also need to know what effect are those policies going to have. So I tell everybody it's important to connect, connect the dots so that you can understand, even if you're not working at another job, you need to know how their job affects you and, and how it all works together. And I think once you know that, that's how you become the director. That's how you become the boss is because now you know how it works together because there's nothing worse than a boss who doesn't know yes. <laughs> what they're talking about because <laughs> then their employees, you know, don't respect you, but it's, it's good to know everything. Um, even if you don't do it on a daily basis, you need to have some type of knowledge. So that's why I tell my employees to learn um, all the different things that are going on in our particular program, even if you're not working on those, that particular part of the program, but just know how it works together. Nice. And if you don't know it, know where to get the answer. That's right. the other thing. You don't, you can't contain everything in your memory, but if you know where to go to get the answer, then um, that's equally as good as well. So you had said in the early on about being intentional, what you do and so forth. So I was thinking about the things that I would recommend would be systems and organization. When we first came into this environment, we didn't think we were going to be here long. So we were putting Band-Aids on our processes that we had. And now that we're, this is going to be our new future. So we're now thinking about how to re-engineer some of our processes and get better systems in place that are going to support this remote work environment, this mass remote work environment, because just putting Band-Aids on processes isn't going to be sustainable. So I think that um, having systems and being organized and like you said, being intentional and deliberate with what you do, I think that's another tip that I would take going forward, especially looking at where you are now and everything's going to change. You know, I talk about future work, every opportunity I can get because it is hot on my brain right now. I just can't help but think about what's it going to look like? You know, what's going to be different? What's not going to be there? What are we going to do? And things like that. So every opportunity I can talk about it, I'm thinking about it and trying to figure out what is the best way to go forward to set, you know, everything up for success. So I really appreciate those two points that you brought up. And then the last thing is, like I said earlier, don't overcommit. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't overcommit like I did because I quickly found myself underwater trying to do too many things. Oh, and forgot Toastmasters was in there too. So I had to um I had to just reach out to the people and say, I I love your group, I love your community. I, you know, overcommitted, so I have to back off for a minute. And once I finish a couple of things, maybe I can rotate things in or out or on or off my plate. Um, as I go forward. So that was the other thing. Don't overcommit. I think we also have to be mindful of all the change that's going on for our employees because, you know, if there's a lot of anxiety with, with um, COVID. I remember in the beginning, I couldn't sleep because I was so anxious with everything that was going on. And then you add in some of the things that were happening in our country, you know, with politics and then with, you know, police brutality with different ethnicities. And so it's, and then also just work-wise, there's all this new technology that's coming. Like, you know, we're going away with Teams and now we're getting what, Microsoft 365. So there's Mm -hmm. so much change. I think we also have to, as managers, be mindful of that with our employees and give them a little bit of grace because uh, it's difficult there. And, you know, I told my boss some days, um, you know, with the George Floyd uh, murder, my children couldn't sleep. And it wasn't that I shared this with them. It's that, you know, they overheard it at their grandmother's when she had the news on. And so not only was I dealing with work now, I'm dealing with children that are traumatized, uh, as well as dealing with my own feelings about what was going on. So I just say that to say that with everything that's going on, we need to be mindful with our employees and and understand. Uh, And then not just the, you know, our employees that are uh, minorities, but some of our employees that are not minorities, they're dealing with the fallout of all that's come up with, you know, what's going on in the country. So it's just, I say America gives us so much anxiety <laughs> that we need to also, you know, kind of think about that when we're dealing with our employees and the expectations on them. It's just, it never stops. So I, I do, I think that's really important that leaders have to give grace to their employees and think even stuff that's not affecting them directly, but just being empathetic and putting yourself in the other person's shoes and just imagining for a second what they must feel or going through and, and, and just allowing that, that grace time or just letting them know you're here for them. And, and I think it's a lot too. I, you know, I don't see it very often, but when senior leadership sends a message out, we don't see that quite often in our industry where they're acknowledging certain things going on. Um, I think that needs to be done more too in the workplace and acknowledging it as a whole. So yeah, my, my agency, uh, my leadership was amazing. I, we were all kind of blown away with the the stance that they took. They started having town hall meetings weekly. Um, they would bring different leaders, different diverse leaders, and they would talk about their experiences. So it, it really impacted everyone to, to see that, you know, they cared about all of us, you know, and it wasn't just the minorities that they were focusing mm-hmm. on. They were focusing on, on all of us to make sure that we all felt included. So I, I also took the opportunity as a leader to talk to my team about it, um, because I think it's important to let them know that you care, that it's, you know, we're all really, we're all the same. Right. So I think um, them letting us know, especially with so much going on in the world, so much, you know, you couldn't even leave your house at some point. So just all the fear that we were going through. And all the, it seemed like, you know, hate from so many different sides on so many different mm-hmm. levels. It was, it was good to see that our leadership cared, um, you know, so I was grateful for that. All right, Maya. So before we end our discussion today, I'm wondering if you currently have or have had a work BFF and what that experience was like for you. Um, I have. I have a lot of friends that I've made in my career over 
20 years. This July, I'll celebrate 20 years. Um, and so I've had um, folks, you know, one in particular, we're still friends today. We get together occasionally and go out, you know, for brunch. Um, we celebrate our birthdays together. Um, you know, since I've been there at my job for 20 years in the same kind of field, um, we, they've experienced me, you know, I started when I was 21. So they've experienced me um, get my master's degree, buy my first house, get married, have my children, go through my divorce. So, you know, they've seen me do so many different things. Um, and it, it, it's great to have, you know, coworkers that end up being like family. You know, I've gone to some of their weddings and some been to some of their houses and celebrated their successes and, and their children and seen their grandchildren. Uh, so I think it's great when you can have that professional relationship, but then also have some, you know, have some folks that have personal relationships, mm -hmm. but don't mix the two. Like, I don't expect you to do anything for me because we're friends. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it makes it it makes it easier to get to go to work every day. Because in reality, when we were in the office, we spent more time with them than we did with our own families. So it's great when you have a, a relationship or you have an atmosphere that you can go into and, and feel comfortable and not dread where you're going. So I'm grateful that I've had that throughout my career. I've always had a, you know, happy relationships with my coworkers. That's awesome, Maya. And I can relate. And the benefit, I think, to what you're describing is we work in a unique environment. So typically when you have, you know, family members, they don't understand what it's like to work in our environment. They don't know John Doe or Jane Doe or, you know, anyone like that. They don't know our colleagues. So they don't know the culture. They don't know the environment. So you need to have that work BFF that understands the environment you're working in and you can bounce ideas off of them and get their insights. And, you know, what do you think about this and so forth? Because sharing an experience with my husband, he's going to give me an answer based on, what he knows, which is not going to necessarily be applicable to the work environment that I'm in, just because he doesn't know the people, he doesn't know the environment, he doesn't know where people are in the organization and what their motives or intentions may or may not be. So I think as you describe that work BFF, that um, having a professional and a personal relationship, you know, benefit each other and especially are unique because they understand where you're coming from and the people that you work with and, and the challenges that you're facing. And they might even have some insights that they can share with you that you might not have come to the conclusion of on your own. Probably 12, 13 years now in the various roles I've had, I've, I've had a connection typically with my entire team, but there would be one or two people that would stand out that I would actually, you know, refer to as work BFF. And in the last several years, up until recently, because I've taken on a supervisor role, which has kind of changed the dynamics of that a lot, um, which would make for another interesting discussion, right? When you change from colleague or peer to supervisor, but, you know, worked with someone for a long time, we kind of grew up not, we grew a lot. I was going to say kind of grew up together, but there's an age difference between us, but kind of grew together. And we were work BFFs and we would refer to each other as work wives. And that just, it did. We grew together. We learned together. It did. It made work, you know, because we work in HR and that's a, I'm going to say it, a thankless job. And it's very hard. And some people you just meet and they just, you just really connect and you, you, de you develop that, that closeness, that relationship. And it, it does, it helps you get through good days and bad days. And it makes work a little bit more fun and enjoyable and more engaging to have that partner in crime, so to speak. So, and on that, um, we are going to wrap up this week's mentoring discussion on working from home. And guys, thank you as always for listening to us. We 
so appreciate you. And remember, you support our movement not only by listening to our show, but showing up to work and supporting other women through our friendships and mentorships. We would love it if you'd follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. From your work BFF mentors, be safe, be positive, and tune in next week. Bye.